So the Israelites are wandering now in the desert in the 14th chapter of Exodus, the 19th verse. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And a pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took, place, took its place behind them. And it came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea and took a strong east wind all night. And it turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went into the sea on dry ground. The waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and chariot drivers. And at the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us free, flee from the Israelites for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And then from Matthew 18, remember that last week we talked about becoming a community of grace. A community where things are real and honest and where we can share with each other and forgive each other. When need be. Because Jesus, in the text from last week, had told us what to do if our brother or sister sinned against us. And having heard that message, we hear today in the 18th chapter of Matthew, starting at the 21st verse, that Peter comes to the, to the Lord. And this is their exchange. Then Peter came and said to Jesus... Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy times seven. 
For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and his children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him. Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But the same slave... As he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. And when his fellow slaves saw what had happened... They were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are there only adults in here now? Yeah. So let me show you the trick. It's a spool of thread. It would have gone on forever and ever and ever. All right, get a pencil out and write this down. This is important. Remember this, the theme of today. Okay? God is bad at math. Okay? Write that down. God is bad at math. You need to remember that for today. Gene Finstein is not bad at math, but God is bad at math. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you. God's economy is not our economy. If you and I had 100 sheep and one of them got lost, we'd stay with the 99 and take care of them. But Jesus says, no, go after the one. And when Jesus is talking about that one as a sinner in need of forgiveness, part of us still kind of goes, nope, I'd rather be over here with the forgiven. But Jesus says, no, go after that one unforgiven sinner. That math doesn't work. God is bad at math. Of course, unless you're that one who needs to be rescued, and then maybe the equation changes. Maybe you become 
a little more thoughtful about the math. Here, Peter says, seven times? Should I forgive seven times? See, what we don't get in this, because we don't understand Judaism at the time, is that Peter was being extraordinarily generous. They were only required to forgive three times. And that's even what Jesus says in the text before. Go to the person in person. Go to the person with a couple of people from the church. Go to the church. And if they still don't forgive, if they still don't change their ways, then just forget about them. Only required to forgive three times. And Peter says, well, it should be seven, right, Lord? I mean, that's, that's big. That's twice as much, over twice as much as what we're required. Peter wasn't very good at math either. And Jesus says, no, not seven. Seventy times seven. Not twice as much, but ten times as much. If you take Jesus literally, although I have to tell you it's a much debated thing uh, about this text, about whether or not Jesus really meant 70 times 7 literally, or if he was using that as the biggest number he could come up with to show forgiveness never ends. It's like a string on a spool of thread. It just keeps going and going and going and going. My head says to me a couple of things about this notion of forgiveness, and especially when we think about the parable that Jesus tells. The one slave who owes a gajillion dollars gets forgiven by the master, and yet he won't forgive a fellow slave even a tiny bit of that much. When we think of our own forgiveness, I think it's true we do that. But I think part of the reason we do that is because we really don't take our own sin seriously enough. I mean, I'm not that bad. Not. I've never killed anybody. I wanted to a few times. Never stolen any money. Even though I don't have very much in my checking account. Never harmed a child. I'm not even going to make a joke about that. I have never harmed a child. And I would never. Lots of those God's big ten, you know. I've never done. I... I only covet Gail Looney's wardrobe. What else? Uh, never killed anybody. Don't make it a regular habit to lie. You know, I'm pretty 
good. Pretty good. You're pretty good, aren't you? Yeah. I'm looking at this row. Well, this row here needs help, but the rest of you, you know, you're pretty good. I don't think we take our sin seriously enough. And if we don't take our sin seriously enough, we can't take our need for forgiveness seriously enough. What, what is there for us to confess? The joke in liturgical studies about the time of confession in the worship service used to be it's the time when we confess all the sins a pastor has that none of us know anything about. Because the pastor was writing the prayer. That's not what that is. But see, if you think you're basically good and you don't really sin or sin that much, then what do you need to be forgiven for, really? And as I once said, a friend of mine who didn't, wasn't sure that religion was her thing, what do you need Jesus for, even, at that point? And if I'm not so bad, and if I don't really need all that much forgiveness... Just see how easy it is to look at the next guy and say, Oh, but you are, my friend. You are a lousy son of a gun. I know what you do. No, you've never killed anybody, but you sure wanted to. I heard you last night when you were yelling at your neighbor and you told him you wished he'd die. Die. I know that you cheat on your taxes. That's sort of a lie, fellas. I know. And can see from the way you act, the blackness in your heart. And it becomes very easy to become like that forgiven slave who says, Oh, you wicked person, you deserve all the torment you can get. And it all stems back to the fact that we just don't take sin that seriously. If you don't take sin seriously, you can't take forgiveness seriously. If you don't take forgiveness seriously, oh my, the love of God you are missing. Because it keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And every time you see the love of God move in your life, it is mesmerizing. God's not very good at math. Because God is not going to forgive you your sins. Not once, not twice, not seven times, not 70 times seven, but always, always, always forgiving, forgiving and forgiving because the love keeps coming and coming and coming. And let me tell you, that is as true for you, sinner, as it is for the sinner sitting next to you.
We have to be careful about who we look down on. Because ultimately, we're all equal in the eyes of God. We're all sinners in need of forgiveness. And thanks be to God that Jesus Christ has brought about a way for us to find that forgiveness. Well, see, friends, here's the part of the story I haven't told you. If you know that God's love will continue to come to you and come to you and come to you and come to you, you can have confidence to look at yourself deeply enough and take your sin seriously so that you can take your forgiveness seriously. And so the love of God will mesmerize you in ways you have never known before. Thanks be to God, who is not good at math, for our sakes. Amen.